DMs. Have you ever felt like banishing a player to the Astral Sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus? Players, have you ever felt frustrated that a 19 on a perception check only tells you that there may or may not be something there? Warlocks, are you tired of being confused with sorcerers and wizards? But also, aren't you basically all the same thing? Then this is the podcast for you. Where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This is Raw and Order. Don't do it! Whoa, offensive. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm bringing the realness, okay? As long as you're not shaming me for it, I'm okay with being Oh, please. Do you, look who Do you're it. talking to. I, <laughs> I embrace that term wholly and wear it as a badge of honor, mm-hmm. like the scarlet letter attached to my chest, my bare, slutty chest. Welcome, nice. everyone. Um, I have a correction to make because there, there are, in fact, Amish people in Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there are. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, there are. <laughs> and I learned a few differences between the Amish and the Mennonites. For example, Mennonites can drive cars. The Amish typically don't. Oh. I also learned that Rumspringa is not two weeks. It's up to two years. Yeah. So Rumspringa is not spring break, which I love. No. <laughs> I love that, like, it has nothing to do with spring. No. <laughs> but... It's basically like when someone who grows up in one of those communities goes out into the real world and it's, well, well, actually there's like a, there's like two different versions of it. So that's like the popular version, but actually in, in many uh, of these, Andy and I did a whole thing researching this because we were interested. We (laughs) went down a hole. Okay. Um, I went down a research hole too. I have to write the thing. (laughs) (laughs) But, but actually in a lot of these communities, that sort of like popular, um, uh, uh, interpretation of Rumspringer or or display of Rumspringer is actually not accurate. It's really just the time when the parents try and like match their their find a match for their child. Um, so I don't know which one's correct. And quite frankly, well, the I version don't... I'm doing is the one where they leave. The one that there was like a TLC show about. Okay, right. Because that's why I thought it was two weeks because I watched the TLC <laughs> show and they were like two weeks Rumspringer. <laughs> I love that you're like, it's on TLC. It must be. It must be true. It must be accurate. Yeah. Isn't that the channel with like 90 Day Fiance and stuff? Well, you know what? People are hoarders and there are such things as 90 Day Fiancés. So I figured Spring Break Rumspringa was a thing, but it's not. It's like two years long. And did you know that like 90% of those folks decide to return to their community? Like that is madness i think it's actually really kind of i mean it's obviously sweet. there's a it is, well it is there's a lot with those communities and their beliefs i disagree with strongly but sure there is something to be said about the sense of community and mm-hmm. and to feel that supported must be nice <laughs> but let me just tell you but this you know what we're what? in just as supportive a of community course. D&D, right. the tprpg community on Twitter. yes there you go. exactly <laughs> Um, we already have 253 Twitter followers, ah! so you better get cracking. I better on get right in. Okay, so I've done my like Rumspringa Amish half of the research, and now I have to do research on how to be a Russian witch. So that'll be fun. Baba <laughs> Yaga, come next. to the rescue! Right. <laughs> um, uh, here's here's what I have to say about the whole thing. 
I think the thought of like meeting a guy who's on Rumspringa and like is not sure he's like I it's my first time in the world I didn't even know gay people existed and like comes out that's kind of hot and oh you want him to be gay oh honey no not the, not the char- not the character in your book in in oh. this amazing story you know he's in love with Anastasia obviously um this just like the thought of that cuz honey Rumspringa oh honey I want him springing my rum okay <laughs> I'm going to write like a sidekick character that's based on that. (laughs) That literally just makes gay jokes constantly. 100%. And I will give you all the gay jokes. Um, That's all I thought about this whole week was Me too. That's all I did, actually. I was just, you know. We got a lot done. Ho deep in Rumspringa. And by ho, I obviously mean the farming implement, guys. Come on. I love it. (laughs) Ho deep. Hose goes, and as we know, hose goes. <laughs> as you know, hose goes so deep into the ground. So right, mm-hmm. that's how hose work. Yep, we know Why'd a lot you have about. To say into the ground, that kind of ruins the euphemism. There, I was, I was trying to, to, I was trying to ruin it. So I won. Okay. I succeeded where you, you failed. You, get, you got it. <laughs> Oh, dear. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> enough again, about the Amish. We have not planned this. And uh, <laughs> this is where we are. So what's Can new with you, Joe, other than uh, Rumspringa things? Literally nothing. Oh, I, I got signed up for a COVID shot. Vaccine. Ooh. Not a, not, a, not a syringe filled with COVID-19. That is something else. <laughs> I, I mean, got... it technically kind of is. It's like the dead version that's, of it. That's true. However, it's... Almost dead version of it. I forget how vaccines work. Let, we're not Something scientists. about egg. and so, I don't know. I don't even think there's egg in this one. Egg. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> All I know is that this has mercury and it's going to give me autism. <laughs> oh, I just knew that it's a it vaccine. was a Bill Gates tracking device. But it, well, well, I mean... It's tracking chip. There you go. And I do not, and I am completely joking. I spent in college. (laughs) Oh God, please. (laughs) Yes. Anna and I are both getting our vaccines. I spent two and a half years in college working with children with autism on a research team because I was a, I had got a degree in psychology and we actually did like in-depth research about this because my professor was like, this is fucking nonsense. Jenny McCarthy is a fucking moron so we actually was like i want you guys to like understand what critical thinking is and i want you to like actually learn about vaccines and we're like how to scientifically debunk this nonsense exactly and he's like yeah so we we had to like independently research it and all the studies concluded that like Mm -hmm. yeah this has nothing to do with autism and it was like great jenny mccarthy's a moron end of story yep (laughs) end of episode that's all we needed to say today what about you, Anna? <laughs> Anything new with you? Nope. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. It led to if such anything a... was new. What are you drinking? Uh, iced tea. Oh, it looked a lot more fun slash interesting than iced tea. I if I drank alcohol right now, I I would be like, okay, Anna. So <laughs> I am. That's I what am... happens when you tip the thirty. You know, when you're on oh, this side honey, of thirty. This was like... me at twenty four. I start drinking, I mama, I go to sleep. I either, I do one of two things. I either get so, I've never blacked out from drinking, okay? Me I, neither. Because I get so You hear sick. that, mom? Me neither. Me neither, mom. Me neither. Never. I've never even had alcohol. What? What, what is, is alcohol? alcohol? Is that how you say it? What does um, it mean? 
I I either throw up a meat like I either drink so much that I puke and and I've never sure I never blacked out because people and people are like no you just keep drinking after you throw up I'm like you're a Ew. disgusting human um how can or, you you just keep throwing up then it's like the taste and the smell that gets you I mean listen all I okay here's the story I when I was in college I lived in substance free house I went to a private school we had one dorm so it it, it was a wet campus um and most like, I bet states, it was. Oh, oh, honey. Oh, a rump springer. Oh. Um, uh, so I lived in the only dorm that was like substance free housing because we were able like because of that, we were able to like get in, like sign up for it early. And it was really close to campus. So my my room, future roommate and I were like, let's do it. Um, and of course, we didn't abide by the rules because fuck that shit. It's college. So <laughs> I got drunk at a party down in the garden apartments which is where all the cool kids went and i made the mistake of drinking watermelon flavored rum because oh. college yeah college watermelon flavored bacardi is the most vile substance on the planet well i drank a lot of it and i i went back to my dorm and i had to puke and i was so scared because i didn't want to go in the bathroom because i didn't want to get caught because if you right. get caught you got kicked out um because of, of the dorm because it was right right free. right so I did the only natural thing. I threw up in like a plastic, like grocery bag that you get, like you know, the, like the disposable grocery sure. bags. And then I double bagged it because I didn't want to it to drip. And As then insane. I, right. And then I like tied it and walked past my RA's room, went to the room directly two rooms down from my RA and knocked on the door where all the girls were having a, uh, a movie night. And they were like, Joe, what are you doing? I'm like, I threw up and I showed them the bag of puke. (laughs) And then I proceeded to throw it out. And I have never drank watermelon anything since. Do you have an aversion to watermelon itself now? No, watermelon's fine. Because it turns out watermelon alcohol does not taste like watermelon. No, not even close. Also in college, my roommates and I did make a vodka watermelon. I don't know if you've ever done that. I've heard of that. Fucking mm-hmm. incredible, okay? It is amazing. <laughs> Canadians bringing all their corruption to them. I America. was in California. Calm down. <laughs> okay? California is plenty corrupt without Canadians adding to the mix. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, we have not talked for even a second about D&D. But, but that's, that's what... That's what the rest of the episode is for. <laughs> well, right. And that's what this is about. We don't, this is the intro. We don't talk about right. whatever. Um, okay. Well, let's not prolong it. Maybe this will be a, a shorter <laughs> intro than usual. It's still long. You're welcome. But we have a wonderful guest today. I'm, I'm so, so excited. excited about our guest. Yeah. Week. Our friend yeah. Andrew is joining us. So you'll get to meet him in just a few minutes. So let's just go. Let's just go. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go hang out. Hey everyone, it's Justice Anna here. I am thrilled to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, Game Masters Merchant. DMs, are you feeling strapped for ideas for your campaign? Are you looking for something to help bring the excitement of sessions gone by back to your table? If so, then you're really going to want to pick up the Deck of Many Things by Game Masters Merchant. The Deck of Many Things is beautifully crafted and an extraordinarily powerful set of cards set in the D&D universe that is sure to reinvigorate your players and take your campaign to the next level. 
the deck is printed on sturdy cardstock and features original artwork. The deck is available on Etsy, eBay, and will soon be available on Amazon. But wait, there's more! If you use the code RAW10 on Etsy, you can get 10% off your purchase. Did you hear me just now? 10%! Just use the code RAW10 on Etsy and you get 10% off until March 1st. Get these cards, breathe life into stale campaigns, and enjoy! The Game Master's Merchant, gmmerchant.com. Oh yay, oh yay, oh yay. The Honorable Chief Justices Joe and Anna and Visiting Associate Justice Andrew of the Supreme Court of D&D. All persons having business before this court are admonished to draw near, give their attention, and pour yourself another Guinness and bowl of lucky charms, for the court is now sitting. Ah, uh, yes, of course, we love to celebrate holidays a week late. Mm-hmm. Andrew! Justice Andrew, welcome to the show. Yay, Andrew. Great to finally be on after listening to so many wonderful, amazing, (laughs) and challenging episodes. Mm -hmm. So you've heard one? (laughs) No, I've heard, I think I'm on episode eight now. (gasps) All right. That's that's pretty decent. Yeah, no, it's been great. And especially just the acceleration of your legal analysis. I'm like, oh, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to be on this now <laughs> oh stop that's okay because my legal analysis probably matches your D analysis which evens out in the end um and andrew, i'm sort of you're you're there to look yeah. pretty. we'll see <laughs> <laughs> well andrew <laughs> since you're on episode eight you know how this works and uh why don't you tell us a little bit about your D background oh, yeah gosh so I started at a very young age in Dungeons & Dragons. So pro tip, parents, if you have a six-year-old child who wants to play Dungeons & Dragons by themselves, don't let them, because it's extraordinarily <laughs> difficult. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just picturing You're little Andrew playing like, D&D alone. That's so cute. But you can't, though, because you're six, no sense and so you just have the red box, which is the advanced D&D. It's like, you know, it's like version two. And you like open the manual and it's like, it just tells you like, roll dice. I'm like, what, what the hell is this? What does it mean? <laughs> Where's the board? <laughs> Where are the little figures? <laughs> I am confused. So were you given this as a gift? Or I, like you... I like a stupid child. I begged my parents for this because like, this looks cool because I like the art and like the art on the red Aww. box is really cool. So they got it for me. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. <laughs> Uh, so and, then what happened? And then after that, it kind of bridged into Hero Quest. For those who have ever played or enjoyed Hero Quest, it was a amazing uh, board game in sort of the, I think, I want to say early 1990s. And it included all these little figures. It had, like, ma- it had cards like cast magic and spells and items. And it was the best thing ever. One of my friends had it. Never let me play it. Because like, like, every time I come over, I was like, I want to play Hero <laughs> Quest because it's the best game ever. And they're like, no. What the hell is wrong with you? Let us play Nintendo. <laughs> you were the smart one. See, that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. You were the smart one. Um, right. And then for a long time, it really didn't, I didn't, didn't end up playing because, you know, growing up during that time, like, D&D was really considered kind of like, it was essentially LARPing. Like, that's how people associated it. And Eventually caught caught hold, but uh, about in college, 
I started picking up 3.5 and I ran it with my friends. Um, so Kim, Elijah, and Sean, uh, if you ever hear this, I apologize for being quite possibly the worst DM and worst introduction to Dungeons <laughs> & Dragons at the time. Really sorry about that. He had the experience yeah. of a six-year-old. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. What did you expect? Um, but from there, I mean, I, we played for a year or two or so. And then after that, um, moved here and ended up kind of starting to pick up, pick it up again, uh, started at the tail end of graduate school and started just reading fifth edition, kind of picking it up as well as um, had read some of the old fourth edition stuff, but never really played. And then since then, I've just been sort of going gangbusters, um, just <laughs> re re running regular games all the way up till now. Um, I, I think by last count since September in my West Marches game, we, I've run something like 30 plus sessions. Oh my God. Um, wow. So it's just been a lot. That's okay. Awesome. So you're DMing mm -hmm. that, right? And yep. are you a player in anything? Um, nowadays, no, not so much. No. Um, I spend mm -hmm. a lot more time DMing than I do playing. There's a little part of me that likes playing, um, but when you're a DM, you get to just you get to play all the characters, do whatever you get to do the hell all you the things, want, right? yeah, yep. and you get to run all the things <laughs> at the same time. I love um, D like playing games under people like Joe. Um, but then even with some of the talented as Joe is, like, as a player, I'm just like, well, I have to wait for my turn now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a you're a spotlight whore, yeah. is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, you just want to constantly it's be the, talking. It's the, it's the six-year-old in me that. just coming back for revenge. <laughs> I love it. And for our listeners, Andrew was an original cast member in our <laughs> in our guide right campaign, word. the one yeah. that I played Guide's for the first two. time ever yeah. Uh, yeah. as Joe was our is our DM in that, and uh, Andrew was there from day one. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make him later on in this podcast tell you all about how he <laughs> left that campaign because it's one of the most beautiful things that I have ever had the honor of witnessing and being a part of. So oh, I'm sure definitely going to share cry. that. I, but... I'm prepared to cry at the end. So. <laughs> oh. if, I would love it. Oh my god, I'm gonna. I'll DM. I'll narrate it. I'll put some music on. It'll be great. Um, but before we get there, mm -hmm. Andrew, can you? Tell us a little bit about what you do for a living. Yeah, so I am actually a clinical psychologist. I also have a law degree, which is really the only yeah reason, he does, yeah, which is the only reason why I was allowed on this podcast because like, hey Joe and Anna can like, no, I heard you have this awesome podcast, but I, 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 mean, I like yeah. have this law degree, but I'm not really a lawyer. Is it okay? Well, like, the other people you must I mean, have had this many degrees to be. Honest. We had Steve and Heather on, but they paid us several thousand dollars to be thousands on. of dollars. Yeah. Thousands. yeah. Um. And so I work, I kind of have, a, I wear a bunch of different hats at work. Uh, I do some outpatient psychotherapy as well as uh, my main job is to do um, threat management and assessment of workplace wow. violence uh, in a sort of small to medium sized healthcare system uh, locally. So that well, ends that's up amazing. Sort of, yeah. yeah. You do actually really important yeah. work and I... Commend you. So <laughs> I appreciate that. It, it keeps now. Me up let's at talk night. about Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Yeah. Now let's <laughs> talk about Dungeons. Yes. Okay. Uh, I just I just want to say thank you so much for those kind words. But your uh, I mean, and I have played as a player in at least two of uh, games that Andrew has run. Yeah. And, uh, or more than that, um, mm -hmm. and have had a fabulous time. And I love your DMing style. So. Um, uh, and you had the pleasure. You have actually been in both of my guide your campaigns because you were a uh, uh, an M or and not an NPC, but a, a 
uh, a guest oh, in yeah. Gaijin yeah. One, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, you were a cast member yes. calling you yes. in Gaijin Two. Yeah. Um, well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, let's let's get dig down in to business. The court will hear two cases today. The first case is Hexblade versus Magic Missile. Does the extra damage provided by the Hexblade Warlock's Hexblade's Curse apply to spells with multiple hits, such as Magic Missile? Who wants to begin? First of all, can we start off by talking about like how powerful this subclass of Warlock is? I can't believe yeah. this was a, a level one skill. Why do you think I play one mixed with yes. a rogue? Because yeah. it's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah that's you, incredible. If you like three spells... And casting them all the time and killing everything with three spells, Warlock is your jam. <laughs> like seriously, though, yeah. I was like, this and is. And I don't even use Eldritch Blast. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't that, even use Eldritch. Yeah, Blast. if they go on Eldritch Blast and they come and Warlocks start really coming online, it you kind of feel bad for the rest of everyone because they just kill everything at 120 feet away. <laughs> You're like, well, oh, Andrew, okay. why don't we start with you? What was your take on this question? Um, yeah, these are both these are both issues brought to us by Andrew. Today. Yeah. So this became a question in uh, you. I mean, almost I think every DM at some point who who has a warlock playing in their campaign will ask this question at some point, um, because I essentially gave my players a, a wand of magic missiles, and so then the warlock picked it up as like, "Can I use this?" And does this apply? <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say yes because it'll be fun for you, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't think it's gonna be fun for everybody else. Um, eventually, I think where I came down after kind of thinking about it and reading the rules that it probably just applied to one of the roles, um, or applied once essentially, as opposed to say if you upcast a magic missile, you get a bazillion magic missiles, and then theoretically it would just multiply that hex blocks curse, the hex blades curse across all the damage hits. Um, which seems weirdly unbalanced to me. Um, I can tell by Joe's face that he and I have fallen on the same side of this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Anna, okay, so Anna, what do you think? I think that hell yeah, it applies to every single one of those daggers (laughs) and magic Mm -hmm. missile. (laughs) Absolutely, because the the, as written, it says you gain a bonus to damage rolls. Okay, Mm. it doesn't say to a damage roll per turn. It doesn't say to one, like, okay, so, like, if if uh, the warlock had, like, extra damage, or, I'm sorry, extra attack, mm-hmm. and they attack the same guy twice that they had the Hexblade Curse on, yeah. you'd, you'd let them apply the bonus to both attacks, right? Mm-hmm. So, this is how I see it. Like, you threw four daggers or three daggers, you're going to roll a D4 for each one of those daggers, you get to apply your proficiency bonus to each one. Yeah. Joe? I agree with that. So, so, um, and maybe we'll convince you just this, Andrew. So a few things that I'd learned while researching this. Mm -hmm. So uh, I found a few um, uh, tweets by Jeremy Crawford, which of course are not rules, but there are powerful interpretations. So great secondary sources. Mm -hmm. First things first, apparently the rules as written, you're just supposed to roll one D4 and that is the damage for all of the missiles in the spell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, but, but either way, mm-hmm. either way, he, according to, to an interpretation by Jeremy Crawford mm-hmm. of a different ability, mm-hmm. it would still apply to every role. So his, um, so, so that point came from a tweet, um, 
uh, in September on September 8th of 2016. But on December 25th of 2014 and later on January 21st of 2015, he gets into um, a, a discussion with um, a player on Twitter and the player asks um, uh, whether or not an evocation wizards empowered evocation ability, which mm-hmm. they get at level 10. Yeah. Uh, which lets you add your intelligence modifier, a minimum of plus one, mm-hmm. to the damage roll any of any wizard evocation spell that you cast could be used on spells like Magic Missile or spells with multiple rolls. Yeah. And his his finding was that, yeah, so so it can be used on 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 all of the so even in a spell like magic spell like magic missile where yeah. you just technically would roll one dice for yeah. one thing mm-hmm. um it, that plus however much your intelligence modifier damage is would apply to every roll much like how in scorching ray if you were to cast that a second level spell which mm-hmm. has three different rays each of which gets its own yeah. roll you would also add your intelligence modifier yeah. to that but here, here's the interesting question, right? Because if it, if technically according to Magic Missile, then and I kind of forgot about the rules since my ruling on it before. Um, <laughs> if you only roll once, right? Mm-hmm. Then you would multiply that, and then you would only roll the extra damage once because you only rolled once. But you're not rolling that damage, right? Right. It's you're just like st- adding. It's st- oh, it's just plus. flat adding. I'm thinking of yeah. the other que- yeah. the other sub question that we have coming up, sort of poten- mm. potentially related. Potentially, to that. yeah. So, um, yeah. so, 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 yeah. If it's a the, flat, then yes, I would add it. Sorry. Yeah. So, so, like, even if you're mm-hmm. doing just the one roll, which yeah. I've never done, casting magic missiles. So, whoops! I've always just rolled multiple times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's uh, more you fun. Roll. I it know, is it's way more fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's more a... math, but it's more fun. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you roll a d4, I mean, you add a plus addition, one. Yeah. And if let's let's say mm-hmm. you're a uh, let's say you're like an, a ninth level or eighth level warlock, mm-hmm. you started out with a 16 charisma, and let's say for sake of argument, you took the ability score increase at fourth level and eighth or ninth level, whenever you get it next. Mm-hmm. You got a twenty charisma. Yeah. Well, fuck. That's plus. That's a d4 plus six mm-hmm. times five yeah. or no no times seven because you're casting it at at fifth level as a let's say well i guess you'd need to have multi-classed in order to get access to magic mm-hmm. missile yeah um or but let's say you know you're applying it to yeah your, you cast it wand. as an object from an object of some sort right like that's plus six an auto auto hit plus six mm-hmm. automatically hits like that's fucking crazy <laughs> it is it is and then here's here here's where it gets even more complicated from a balance perspective as a dm right because once you get past a certain point with warlocks then you also get to split your eldritch blasts or you yes. get to split certain things um and so not only are you doing that damage you're multiplying that damage across and this is again why a lot of people love warlocks because then as you sort of upgrade and then you increase your levels like you're actually consistently geometrically multiplying your damage at certain breakpoints um to the point where you yes you just kill everything in one shot (laughs) yeah warlocks are great is Hexblade Curse a concentration thing? Like, I know it lasts a minute, but it's not even no. a concentration yeah. thing? No. Oh, my so, God. Why so isn't imagine, everyone this yeah. thing? Yeah. Well, well, right. So imagine. So I play. I've talked about this character a lot. I play Umbra. Yeah. She is a uh, an arcane trickster. Gets those extra spell slots. Mm. And a Hexblade Warlock. Yeah. 
multi-class. Yeah. Madness. So not only does she do 2d6 of sneak attack damage whenever she hits and gets sneak attack, mm-hmm. but I also, on one turn, will cast Hexplate's Curse, and on another turn, will cast Hex. So it's an extra 1d6 mm-hmm. of necrotic damage, yeah. plus a plus two for damage, because that's her charisma modifier. So, so since you brought it up, Hex mm-hmm. is interesting because um, I sometimes end up conflating the two. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so Hex on... The ruling for Hex is really just you roll one extra damage once, right? Per attack roll, I believe? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. Magic Missile doesn't require an attack roll, right? So That is the this. interesting point, right? So like these are two spells that kind of function in very similar but weirdly different ways where you get the complete opposite sort of difference. Because in a sense, too, like like your, your um, point earlier, Anna, like when you were saying like multiple attacks... Then those are also multiple attack rolls that potentially apply with the hex. Wait, wait for magic missile? No, I mean if you're talking about because before oh. you talked about someone attacking multiple times. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so that is like the weird thing of just trying to keep those straight sometimes. Because yeah, if someone stacks hex blades curse and hex, yeah. then you really awesome. yeah you see this horrific multiplication of damage hell yeah you do. <laughs> and the awesome thing is that as a warlock, so uh, my warlock rogue is about to reach uh in one more level she'll reach fifth level warlock mm-hmm. eighth level total yeah well when i reach that i'll be casting hex automatically at third level assuming i use a warlock spell slot to do it mm-hmm. which means my hex so long as i maintain concentration lasts yes. eight hours he- yeah hex Whoa. is yeah it lasts forever too it's um, fucking great yeah so i cast right i cast hex once and then so long as the target that I put it on dies, which mm-hmm. if I'm we're in combat, hopefully that happens and I maintain concentration, uh, then I can just constantly move that around. And if I'm taking a short rest, I mean, I'll get it back anyway, but yep. then I'll also get or is Hex, Hexblade's curse might be Hex, a, Hexblade a gets rest. you hit points back for the dead enemy, too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But you can only use it once um, as opposed to Hex, which is just a spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, okay. Warlocks. I'm are really, great. I'm really glad that I'm a bard in that campaign because yeah. it's totally fine that I'm a useless fighter. <laughs> yeah, you're not useless. I've got it covered. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you about some spells. Once you get access to magical secrets, then you need you, you got to get Steel Wind Strike. Okay. Yeah. That shit's fucking great. Yeah. I don't know what that one does. Yeah. Or just oh, have anyone talk. in your party give we'll you talk. haste, and then <laughs> <gasps> fighters yes. with haste are just unstoppable because of or, the additional AC and the extra attack. Or just take haste because you'll get magical secrets. Because I don't oh. think bards get access to it. I don't but think anyway. So. Okay. So what? What's everyone's ruling? So so my ruling is that yes you would add the damage to every magic missile or scorching ray or whatever other spell you're talking about i am in complete agreement on that andrew i have to join that opinion yeah Yay! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> unanimous <laughs> i don't know why that's so exciting but it is. I, know. <laughs> I bet this is exactly what they do in the chambers like yeah. <laughs> They just peer pressure each other into it. Exactly right. They just start like dancing. You see just Justice Sonia Sotomayor just gets on a table. She's like, yeah, yeah, bitch. You joined my concurrence. That was a majority. Um, Just kidding. I'm so sorry, Sonia. Okay. Um, Gavel, gavel. Oh, oh, shit. Uh, Oh, Oh, yeah, we have a gavel. Case dismissed. Um, Our second case today is uh, In Re Held Spell. Um or in ray ready to action spell should a spell 
that's held for a spell action be used up if the trigger doesn't occur or the trigger occurs, but there's no valid target. So, Andrew, uh, Justice Andrew, this was also a submission from you. So do you want to talk a little bit sort of about either how this came up or what your thoughts are on it? I think this comes up decently often if you have very thoughtful spellcasters um, who really don't just go, oh, I see something, I want to blow it up. They're like, hold on, I want to, I want to like, when it comes out, I want to hold my whatever until it comes out. Mm-hmm. I've seen this ruled in so that's many ways. Said. That's that's what she said, by the way. I yeah. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Are we doing phrasing? <laughs> um, Are we bringing phrasing back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that a thing? Um I've seen this ruled in so many ways to the point where I am actually very ambivalent about this ruling in one or the other. I feel at some point in my life I have read the manual and come to the conclusion based on raw that it's supposed to essentially blow the spell um, when you hold it. Mm -hmm. But I can see the counter argument too for the sake of fun to some degree of like that would be kind of devastating if unless the person actually knew and so i think my part of my answer is qualified on this idea of making sure that the players know what the expectations are which i know is very much one of those things that both of you really emphasize of that if they know what they're doing and they know what the rule is going in ahead of time then i think either one is actually pretty okay it's just um making sure that it's consistent yeah i i agree with you and i just today, when I was doing research for this, mm-hmm. I mean, just like carefully read the like ready action, right? Yeah. It's on page 193 of the player's handbook. Nowhere in there does it does it say the exact words that the spell slot mm-hmm. is lost. But what it does say is, if your concentration is broken, the spell dissipates, wi- dissipates without <laughs> taking effect. I'm sorry. Let's try that no, I'm putting that in. <laughs> Whatever. This part, dip, this, this, this part's this Dipisates. Dipisates. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, I think that as written, you burn the slot. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. So, well, I, I don't think necessarily that is the reason why you burn it. I think the, the reason is because the, the, the second sentence of that, of the ready section on page 193 says um, to do so you can ready your action on your turn which lets you act using your reaction before the start of your next turn um so uh similarly i looked up this um trying to just see if there was a uh you know a sage advice or something on it and lo and behold there is a tweet from jeremy crawford on this topic um so uh august 29th of 2015 he has a discussion with a uh, a tweeter um and what i discovered <laughs> mm-hmm. is that while jeremy crawford confirms that yes you burn the spell slot in his games he <laughs> has a homebrew rule that says you can use your action on a subsequent turn to maintain concentration yeah which is like all right girl why didn't you just really yeah, in your you literally home wrote game? the book yes. and then you're gonna but at the same time on. right this is the beauty of D. <laughs> exactly so what i did this morning after i was researching this issue and anna can confirm <laughs> at 6 30 this morning i started Adding to my the the seven page homebrew uh, rules yeah. pamphlet that I have for my on all of my campaigns, yeah. I added I added that thing in mm-hmm. and we tweaked slightly, um, basically just to say that um, if you are 
concentrating on a spell and it does not trigger or there's no valid target mm-hmm. for um the uh, uh for when it when you would release it you can continue to concentrate on it so long as you, or rather you can con- continue to concentrate on it using your action and bonus action mm-hmm. um uh, but you can still move and react as yeah. normal um so i just think that's fairer and i think it encourages more unique uses of spells which i think is cooler at the end of the day yeah yeah i I, yeah i always thought this was a really interesting one because if you listen to for example like critical role like the way they play it is that if you hold like the way matt mercer tends to play it is if you hold your spell for your trigger and the trigger doesn't happen he kind of treats it as a precast basically that you get basically preloaded the spell yeah. and then if that never happens then it's it just boom gone it dissipates right. guys yeah it mm-hmm. dissipates well i know how according, to that word <laughs> yeah according i mean according to the language itself it literally just says like you have to cast it on your turn but you you don't release it yeah. right like, you maintain mm. control over it until yeah. the trigger happens yeah. so the casting has already occurred yes it's just the whole yeah of it. which then implies a whole nother like headache as a dm of how you actually interpret how magic works in your world like yeah that like in, how are you like reabsorbing yeah. the magic that suggests that there's some cast. sort of yeah that suggests that there's some sort of like metaphysical like sort of understanding of how spells work that's dictated into your universe <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say that most spellcasters, I, I think you can make an argument, especially wizards, like that's something that you learn as you, you know, a, as you become familiar with more spells and whatever. So I think you could probably like come up with an easy explanation for that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can control it enough to like to to dissipate it. But yeah. I think I think the explanation would be easy, but I, I agree with Andrew. I think it would add something to like the narrative to describe mm. what mm-hmm. happens to your spell as you're like suspending it in air, waiting to cast mm. it, and then the trigger doesn't happen. So what yeah. happens then? Well you roll a D twenty. If you get a natural twenty, you don't use a spell slot. If you get a natural one, it fires <laughs> at an unintended target. Yes. Yeah. Or you try to reabsorb the magic, something goes terribly wrong, and now you have to take the damage of whatever that was. <gasps> <laughs> All right, That's how we're playing my games. Because yeah. <laughs> you hate oh. spellcasters, apparently. <laughs> oh, fireball? Well, um, sorry. <laughs> and now your PC no longer has eyebrows for yeah. the rest of the campaign. <laughs> I know they did not get that yeah. from rolling on the wild magic tape. Okay. You just get really um, bad indigestion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So I think we're all in agreement, right? If you yeah. cast it, you lose burnt. the spell slot. Yeah. It's burnt. It However, burnt. Uh, you homebrewers, you do you. Yeah. Yeah. You do you, honey boo boo. <laughs> uh, case closed. Um, well, that is fabulous. Um, Andrew, um, I hate to tell you, but this is the point where we disrobe. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, what I'm already... Oh, I got ahead of you. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! So sit down. Good lord, man! <laughs> or, you know, stand up. Um, <laughs> Hi, Anna's mom. <laughs> All right, you have been listening to the she's podcast. Like, she's like a character in this podcast. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait until... Anna's until, mom! <laughs> I can't wait until you actually host a DM uh, a D and D session for your your parents and your yeah. sister um, and brother in law, and then we can like like Life deconstruct play. that and have her on as a guest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Like just put on um, Twitch or something, and everyone can kind mm-hmm. of join. Oh my god, I would comment. want. I would. I would pay to watch that. I would too. I would, that's <laughs> I good would to know. To, yeah, <laughs> to watch uh, just four if, Indian people sitting around a table trying to play D anD. d Got it. And and that is <laughs> going to be our live stream. Playing D anD. d And that is our live stream for when we hit five hundred followers on Twitter. Anna will DM a game for her family. <laughs> for my parents. <laughs> just kidding, but also. Um, Mrs. Dixit, if you want to do that, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Reach out. There's an email. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's Twitter. an email. Um, all right. She well, knows now that- because she has tweeted at us before, and <laughs> her tweet was literally like, "I'm Anna's mom." Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much. Oh my god, I want her on the podcast. That's amazing. <laughs> The best, the best thing is if you never introduce her. If you like, if you never, she's imaginary. I have two dads. Yeah, it's like lost just the whole time. Like, what's going on? Anna was born of the force. She doesn't have a mom. Um. All right. Well, now that we're all naked, um, let us uh, retire. He's joking, mom. He's. I'm joking. Um. Let us retire. To the lounge and you know just have a little gab fest, a little chit chat, L- little chit chat in the judges' corner, which we rename every episode. <laughs> so <laughs> this isn't just and- sitting on bunk, <laughs> disrobed on bunk. <laughs> Woo! Oh, I'll show you on bunk. Okay, so um, keep your bunks to yourself. I oh okay, all right. Let's let's keep it. Okay, so um. <laughs> Now, Andrew, you also um, had a, a really interesting discussion topic, and I, I'm so curious because, so our friend Heather, who's been on the podcast, mm-hmm. has was in a game of yours once where, um, I think it was, where uh, your initiative was just, just fucking whoever wants to go, go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, so when you proposed this topic, I was like, I need to ask you about this. But first, let's sort of get into the meat of the topic. So... Mm alternatives to the raw initiative process um you had had brought this up because you actually use a different system and uh i think today we're just going to discuss like okay what are the pros and cons to like using these different systems and and why would we prefer one over the other so do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about yeah what's your what's your different system okay I played so your game. it's it's evolved and it kind of depends on the game and you know i think this is one of the things as a dm right you always want to kind of match what your players want with your own preferences and your own strengths I no fuck think, fuck the players i don't I think about give any every, shits about those every if you wanted to know yeah. what it's like to play in joe's games <laughs> all right everyone shut the, the fuck down is his theme roll. for every session you're gonna role play like i tell you <laughs> eat those brownies i made them Okay. Um, <laughs> Initiative. Anyway, turns out that's not actually how Joe. He does the opposite. Um, he makes cookies. Don't uh, eat the brownies. <laughs> the brownies are poisoned. Only one of them. <laughs> it's a Russian roulette D and D session. <laughs> we have to stop. Oh, maybe we can incorporate Russian roulette into Rumspring of Deception. Yes, it's already in there. Don't worry. Oh, okay. All so. Right. It really depends, but one of the things I wanted to try was something other than, um, like, I mean, for most of my normal games, I I just, you know, play traditional uh, initiative, like most of, a lot of us do, probably. At one point, I started getting bored with it, and I was thinking, what would combat actually like? Because we've talked, you you two have talked about this, about this idea of how initiative is this 
weird abstraction of what's actually supposed to happen. Everyone yeah. essentially does the six seconds one turn mm -hmm. at a time. Like, that doesn't make sense at all. No. Yeah. So I spent an enormous amount of time, maybe drank an Arizona whiskey, and started sketching <laughs> on a pad about how to do this. I'm just picturing you, Andrew, <sighs> like like channeling the six-year-old rolling yeah. dice in the yeah. red box. Yeah. And, in and a just darkened like, room. But but like drinking whiskey yes. this yeah. time instead of apple juice. Uh, and mean, like just like, know. must come up with new initiative. Yeah. So this is the version I eventually came up with, with a couple additions. Um, so the original version I came up with is essentially free-for-all. That whenever we start combat, you just call out whatever the hell you want to do. But you can only really call it out once during that turn, right? Because you only get to go once. When do your enemies go? I roll a die and then modify it based on uh, their initiative. And that goes into their turn order. So I roll, like, say, a d6 um, if there's only, like, four or five players. Mm. Um, and then I roll d6 and then add that or subtract, depending on their initiative Ooh. modifier, and then throw them randomly into that order without telling them. Ooh. But but if they, if anyone goes whenever they want, then how does the order like what are you what are you adding it to if all the players aren't rolling initiative? Like I assume he waits until like three people have gone and then exactly. he'll go and then yep. the other the rest of the three people will go, but it doesn't yep. who the three are is not mm -hmm. a specific order. God. Yeah, so okay. I'll go third, second, fifth, whatever. Um, and I, I know some people who are probably hearing this are just absolutely horrified. Think, like, <laughs> this is anarchy. Like, what? Yeah, like, I think everyone that's a DM for, like, yeah. teenagers is like, that sounds like a right. nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that is the, in some ways, that is the caveat. You have to have players who are thoughtful, mm. right? Because it, then it becomes, it really does force them to watch the table and look at everyone else. So this, I don't do this in my online games because it, the lag is a little too hard to compensate for. Sure. Um, but in a live table game, it worked incredibly well. Where people who wanted to spend time thinking as their character would think, spent time thinking and waiting for their opportunity. For yeah. those who were much more impulsive, you're like, I'm a fighter. I just go in and hit things. Mm -hmm. What do you want me to do? I'm They're a barbarian. Like, yeah, of course I'm leading the fight. <laughs> And it actually added to a little bit, just just enough table talk for people to actually coordinate, right? So if mm. some if someone went down, then someone would go, who's got them? And someone would say, I can do that. And then, like, all right, I'll go then. And so it was a much more natural kind of flow of a fight that you would kind of consider, like, that's probably how it would happen in some ways with mm. an enemy every so often getting to go. Um, you have to sort of modify a couple things like... How long, like when to start, when to start counting turns and stuff, but it's really, I mean, that's a pretty minor thing. The only modification I realized afterwards that could be helpful is that essentially, if you did it in some way that whoever got the highest initiative or the first couple of people who got the highest initiative get to go first, because I also don't want to punish the, the players who are like I spent all my points on dexterity. Why do I not to get go first? <laughs> It's like, okay, yeah, no, that's fair. That makes sense. Well, to be fair, it's like, fuck off, because de dex plays into so many other yes, things. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I've thought about, like, well, maybe we play the first round, essentially, in order. And then after that, it's just free for all, right? Because that, and to me, that kind of strikes me like, that's probably how fights would work, is that you all, like, line up, like, okay, what are we doing? If you ever watch, like, The Avengers, not a good example of how <laughs> things should be, but... <laughs> how not to play D&D. &D. Yeah. But they all sort of line up and they go, okay, let's do this. And they right. all plan and then everything goes to hell, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so I kind of liked that sort of flow and it was much more natural. I think people kept stayed much more engaged because they really did have to pay attention what to the per, what the person mm. right behind them did yeah. and who's left in the turn order. Because if you have healers at the back, and then it also let the healers kind of jump into the back end typically. Because mm-hmm. then they could hold, or you could hold a buff spell, or you could hold a like a hold person spell till the very end or the very beginning, depending on kind of when it triggered. So a lot of people would immediately throw like a hold spell um, right after the enemy went. Yeah. Because it, it the next time it checks is on the enemy's turn. Right. right. So everyone gets to go before. Yeah. And so then everyone, like once that happened, everyone just wailed on this one person without really <laughs> having to communicate on about it right. because they knew, well, this is what we have to do. It was, it, it worked way better than I ever thought. Um, if anyone out there wants to try it, please let Hannah and Joe know. Yeah, and, if someone you know, does try that. Yeah, especially if it works yeah. out horrifically, please let them know and blame <laughs> them. Like, <laughs> and there were tears, and this is why we're, no one's ever playing D&D again. <laughs> All six of them quit. Yeah. It was ugly. Oh and they were my only friends. <laughs> it's awkward. So now, is this the same system you use currently? Currently, no, because all my games have switched online. Mm-hmm. And so that lag, because like there's some people who don't have as good connections. And I've right. thought about trying to figure out how to do that. Um, I think it actually could be done. And I'm, I maybe want to experiment it with it at some point where uh, people type in the chat, I want to go next. And Ooh. so that kind of cues oh. up people, right? Well, you shared with us um, this other oh, initiative Greyhawk. style. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Kind of not. Like, Greyhawk is, at least every time I look at Greyhawk, it gets very complicated very quickly. Oh my god. Oh god, oh my god. I was like, no initiative explanation should be like three pages long. Yeah, it is... It is impressive from the perspective that they want to try to balance sort of like speed of attacks and all of these other things and take all this stuff yeah. into consideration, which like I, I get. I feel like it would slow down combat so friggin' much if oh, you're yeah. rolling initiative after every single round. There's no. enough. Yeah, there's enough rules. Yeah. There's enough things. There's enough roles yes. happening. Adding more yeah. unnecessarily is like why. And I think this goes back to my original comment of like it kind of just depends on your group, right? If you have a group who just absolutely adores combat, I've run into people like that who just love campaigns where we just spend five hours just doing combat mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes over or like eight sessions, sessions in a row yeah. whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> joe you want to talk about something oh no no we're good um so okay i'm so fascinated so anna as a from a player perspective and as a future dm perspective mm-hmm. what do you think of like going off of the raw initiative rules okay i have so many thoughts on this i took okay. like a page worth of notes because oh I my have god so many thoughts yes. okay first of all i actually really hate the raw initiative yeah um mostly because i always roll terribly and then go last and my in my yeah. dexterity as iso sarah is like negative one so as i have mentioned many times on this podcast i got a zero one time yeah. so i was yeah. definitely in jail yeah. last Okay, outside of that, like, I think about Iso's personality, and she is definitely the, like, get me over there, let's throw myself into this fight, even though I'm probably going to die, I don't care. So, like, I think that it should be character-based, like, Mm -hmm. who, what, what makes sense narratively to be the person that, like, goes first. Also, if you do it the way raw initiative works... It could work out that like the triggering event, right? Like one character, the rogue, decides to go in and check out this like shack or whatever. 
And there's like a freaking goblin waiting in there and nobody outside knows what's happening or that there's anything going on. And somehow you roll initiative and the people that are like 40 feet away are the ones that are taking the first action. That makes no sense at all. Mm -hmm. So it makes much more sense to do a homebrew initiative. Uh, And in those situations, I feel like it could be a little bit DM controlled where you're like, okay, you're obviously going to have to be the one that takes the first action because you're literally the only one that knows to take an action right now. Sure. Uh, And then, okay, so I was looking up other like homebrew initiative things, and I don't even know what this is. It was called FFG Star Wars System. I don't I don't know what the hell that is. If you guys have heard of that, sure. Because okay. you're gonna get so much hate mail. <laughs> and the way that they do yeah, initiative FFG, is, is com- fucking fun game. Is that is it a terrible system of some kind? No, or I have no or? idea. I don't know. Anyway. Um You're gonna get so much hate mail of- from the FFG Star Wars. Fan, <laughs> I know, I'm like, I'm sorry, base. Star Wars people that play FFG. Dear whatever. Joe and Anna. <laughs> How dare you? I know I what saying Star this. Wars is. Calm down. Star I am Wars saying this great, in the okay? voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. How dare you? Terrible at podcasting you are. Um, get it? <laughs> anyway, get it. Yep. they kind of do it like Andrew does it, where they have like PC slots. So they'll like just have blank like they'll they'll do like the DM will do the order and then they'll have like blank PC slots and then people can just like throw themselves into it. So it's kind of like leaving it up to the player to decide when they want to jump into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the idea, or if you're going to use the raw system of initiative, that you do like a rotation. So you don't always go last. Like if you mm-hmm. go last one round, then you move it all up and then you go first the next round. Yeah. So like if you went, you know, oh. if you went mm-hmm. second the first round, then you go third the next round and fourth the next round yeah. so that everybody kind of has a turn to start. Um, first. To start. Hmm. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool because mm-hmm. then you don't have to re-roll initiative every time, yes. but it still changes things up and keeps them interesting. Um, okay, Joe, you go because I have to <laughs> read the rest of my notes. But anyway, I have very strong feelings and I hate the raw initiative. No, I That's... love, I mean... <laughs> Yeah. From a DM perspective and a relatively, I mean, I'm still relatively new at this, right? I am terrified at using a system like that just because like, I'm worried that I'm going to do something to like mess it up and make it not fun. But mm-hmm. I do, I, I do agree with Anna and you, Andrew, like I hate the concept that all of this is supposed to happen in the same six seconds, but like, I'm I'm running first. Well, no, you no, you're not. You're all running together at the same right. time. Yeah. So so I I don't really understand that. And obviously I do because it's a fucking game and they're just trying to make the game. <laughs> yeah, work they just and need like, a system. And like, you can't right. like literally yeah. all go at the same time. Yeah. Like, right. That would and be... the world is not divided yeah. into squares or hexes. <laughs> like I get it, right? Um uh but uh I think what this does. So uh, another alternative that I've heard, um, and I believe it was from uh, the dungeon dudes uh, on YouTube. Um, uh, they have a, one of them uses a system where, so everyone rolls initiative and then the initiative order is set, but anyone who is, who is before the monster can go in any order and anyone who's after can go in any order. Oh. So it's like, so it's like you're so it's aware split, of, yeah. yeah, like you're, and that might work Angie for your campaign mm-hmm. where yeah. you're not necessarily like the pressure to, to like beat them, beat the creature you're fighting is not really there because you know, you're going to get to go before it anyway. Yeah. Um, and in general, what I like about 
a system like this that changes up how initiative works is that it lets you like do like combo attacks and fun things with other players, which strengthens your bond as players, right? So like Anna, you're playing in in our Icewind Dale campaign, you are you have a brother, right, who's in the campaign with you. Um, you're playing a ranger and a rogue. How cool would it be if you could like, you know, use coordinate like, and like right, like shoot yeah. your like yeah. like like shoot your bows from opposite sides of the of the enemy, like basically at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're and you both have really high dex modifiers. In our uh our yawning portal campaign, Umbra's a rogue and uh Gripton is a fighter, uh, a battle master fighter. So he several times has used his distracting strike to grant advantage to the next person who attacks. Well, if we could plan that so that we always, you know, where we're like, he and I had this thing where like, if, if we roll high in initiative, he'll go first use distracting strike and I will have a free bonus action then. Cause I don't need advantage or mm-hmm. I don't need to hide. Um, and I can use hex. That's an extra D six. And I have advantage on the shot and we'll get sneak attack mm-hmm. if I hit. So I do think that it like it does set up those really unique things where like you could have like combo attacks with other players. And I just yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. I, I love Andrew's system actually because it promotes this like role playing within combat and strategizing in combat, which I don't I feel like there isn't enough of. Like I feel like sometimes when I'm in combat, I it's exactly right. I'm just like waiting my turn and being yeah. like, what am I gonna do? What's the enemy doing? Where are they in relation to me? And that's pretty much all I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. But I feel like your version, not only does it require strategizing and like communicating with the other players, which keeps me more engaged in combat, but it also requires me to have like a greater understanding of what the rest of the PCs are able to do, which I think increases the experience for me, right? Like knowing what my fellow druid is able to do can affect the actions that I take makes for a much better gameplay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also it encourages role-playing during combat. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a huge plus. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if you guys know, but I'm actually a big fan of role-playing. What? What's (laughs) role-playing? What? I'm confused. I uh, the <laughs> I don't get it. The, is that a is that a joke? I don't get it. What's okay? Are, are we doing phrasing? Um, <laughs> uh, oh boy. Um, the other the other last piece of sort of alternative initiative that's very popular. That I want to throw in just for sort of education sake too. Um, is popcorn initiative? Right. You give everyone, what does that mean? Everyone yeah, gets so, a bag of popcorn. Yeah. You have yeah. to first one to eat it goes. That first. sounds delicious. So that's why I always go first when when yeah. we play. Yeah. Dear Anna and Joe, my best friend died <laughs> eating too much popcorn. Oh, no. I feel like all the hate mail we'll ever ever receive will actually just be from Andrew using various emails. Dear Anna and Joe, something, something shitty that you talked about on your episode. How dare you? Okay. Um, Popcorn initiative. Um, Event essentially is once the first player goes, they hand the uh, initiative to the next player. So they go, okay, I, you know, as a fighter, I'm going to like, or as a barbarian say, I'm going to rage, I'm going to run in and I'm going to start to grapple, right? Once my turn is done, I toss it to, say, the wizard, who I probably should have tossed it to earlier, uh, to enlarge me (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) Um, And so then, yeah. And so that's a fun style because, again, it forces everyone to pay attention because you have no idea when you're going to get called on. Oh my gosh. Um, 
which is a really fun way to do it. It kind of it messes a little bit with sort of the initiative system because then again, you have to figure out like, well, what do we do with sort of people who have higher initiative or whatever? But for, like, from a team perspective, I think it is really nice because people will hand, hand the baton essentially to people that um, who go after them who either may need it for the team's benefit or who may be a really good synergy like the one that Joe um, described. And in a system like that, actually, it wouldn't be as onerous to roll initiative every round because you're just looking for whoever has the highest, right? Yeah. Right. So like every, you could say, okay, everyone, quick, roll initiative every, at the beginning of a round, I got a 22, mm. highest number, you go first. And then you don't have to write anything down. You don't have to enter mm-hmm. it in on roll 20. You just go. Yeah. Um, wow. That's really fun. The only problem that is, is that it's, interesting. Still, it's still sort of like has that. I mean, now you're giving power to other players. Yes. So, yeah. Which I you're mean, still which, waiting for a turn. Which exactly. Is the, yeah. I would love to like play in a game like that. I'm not sure I'd want to adopt it wholesale in a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess yeah, like, like, that would be a fun like one shot to try yes. just to see yeah. how it would work. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think I am going to experiment with initiative in my games just moving yes! forward. I've wanted to for a long time, and I think this discussion is just yeah. seeing how excited Anna so excited! is. Excited. Yeah. Um, I, I I think at the very least I'll try that sort of like before monster and after monster mm-hmm. you know choose that would your be own fun. order um because then yeah, that, that still be cool. utilizes yeah. your initiative role to some extent to determine which half you fall into yeah. um but yeah there's, awesome there's some I mean that would make like, sense if you only had us fight one monster but it's been a long ass time since gets, you've had us fight only one monster yeah, Joe yeah <laughs> yeah so, it gets so very tired. complicated <laughs> on the DM side of that, because then yeah. you have to figure out how do I intersperse. Um, there used to be old stories from like the old Gary Gygax days where it's like super old school D&D. The players would just sit down and they'd all basically explain their turn and be like, okay, here's what we're doing for the whole turn. And the DM would like go hide somewhere basically so they come <laughs> over here. And then they would That's go, awesome. to, the, yeah, and they'd so go to the DM and they're like, okay, like, and then the DM would essentially plan as well. And like, they're like, okay, this is what we want to do. And then, like, the DM would essentially weave all of that together as and just describe sort of the turn as people who gave roles and, like... That's crazy. You know, That's yeah. a lot. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's it was like, much more, yeah. like, storytelling, like, as a, almost a pure form. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's advantages and disadvantages to, like, gamifying it more and having, like, a yeah. rolling for initiative, but... Uh, yeah. Well, okay. Fabulous. Um, I want to move on, though, because... Yes. Uh, Anna had very strong. She she, she hinted to this. <laughs> she just, wants. She wants. I to, want you to, to know this. how you came up with this. Okay, and then so, I want you to like describe it to everybody, and yeah, we all sit here and cry. All right, wait, because... wait, 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 wait. Let's introduce what we're talking <laughs> yeah, about. So, <laughs> when a player has to leave a campaign, um, how do you do that effectively? And Anna, do you want to explain sort of how you got this idea for this question? I mean, he's sitting right there. That's how I got the idea. <laughs> no, no, okay, I'd like to hear from Anna's he was, perspective. I mean, I haven't really... Like, it was... No. Okay, so the, obviously this was my very, very first campaign. Mm-hmm. I was already, like, very attached to the other PCs yeah. <laughs> in the campaign. And, um, you know, Andrew decided to leave the campaign. We didn't know that mm-hmm. he was leaving, which... I think that the way that it was done was done yeah. so well that, like... It was it was just perfect. Anyway, okay. Andrew left our campaign. We continued the rest of our campaign, obviously, because we're still doing. Well, Andrew, and, but... and funny story, he left the campaign. I think it was the was it the first time we all no, it wasn't the first time we played in person. It was the right? first time I had ever met him in person. Oh, that's true. So, it yeah. was the first time we, we yeah. you met him in person. Yeah. And yes, left. and the last. <laughs> like, so, and I was so surprised because I like walked into the house and I was like, oh my god, he does exist. And then yeah. he was like, bye. <laughs> so. Anyway, he 
uh, was able to add something to the narrative and like make it really seamless the way that he managed to leave the campaign while leaving the door open fingers crossed <laughs> that he could come back into the campaign mm-hmm. and i wanted just to ask andrew first to tell us a story and then to tell us like how you came up with that and then to tell us what your thoughts are on like other interesting ways that people can leave campaigns in the middle of it and do that effectively Gosh, so, so much Andrew. pressure. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think this started because I was, I mean, while I was really enjoying Joe's campaign, I was like, well, um, kind of the local group that we play in, like, I, I should probably kind of help out, start running more games. I, I was really wanting to run this sort of West Marches style game, which maybe at some point, uh, like next time or whenever that is, we can talk about. But yeah, I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, so I, I think for any player, if you're having fun or if you're not, or if you're contemplating leaving, talk to your DM, right? That's usually where I kind of go first mm-hmm. of like, okay, hey, like, you know, this is what's going on. I love your game. Here's all the stuff I like about it. Like, but I'm going to be really sad to leave. And we sat down and we kind of went back and forth for a while about talking about, well, what's what's a good way to leave? And I had this idea of my character writing letters. Now, this was like a character who was very closed off, who I was yeah. actually planning in the long term to open up more and kind of change that story arc of my character. But I was like, oh, I'm leaving. So he's just an asshole now. <laughs> um. <laughs> and he was. The oh, letter yeah, he, was he wrote yeah. Iso was the nicest he's ever been to Iso. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, well, I have to accelerate that in some way to show them like, you know, Varys was the character like that Varys wasn't just this terrible person who was mean like he meant well he just was kind of weirdly broken can I just like interrupt you for one second and just bring up this is like embarrassing for me a little bit but like when the game first started there was a session where like in one of the first or second session where where Anna I think you had mentioned and we can cut this if you don't want me to keep it in but Anna, you had mentioned like, oh, am I playing this correctly? Like, am I doing things right? Like, like I, I don't know. And I was like, oh my god, like maybe she's like, I, I'm going to turn her away from D and D. And then I contacted Andrew. I'm like, I'm like, okay, can you like talk to Anna or like in game, just like or something or whatever. And uh, uh, and because I remember like you had thought by the way Varys was role playing, you thought that Andrew didn't like you. And I was like, or or maybe I I I, inter- I should say I yeah, interpret maybe maybe Joe was projecting, but yeah, yes, yes. So that was yeah. There was being- definitely. Like, I think there was like some dialogue or something where you're like, I thought she was in the military. Like, why can't she fight? And I was like, fuck, I'm fucking this up for everybody. I suck. I should just quit forever. Oh, God. And I, and I felt so bad because I was like, yeah. no, you're so good. Stay in. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, you're obviously fabulous. Oh, um, thanks. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did have that thought. I was like, oh, like, oh, she's no, like, maybe she doesn't know. Um, anyway. And so I was like, well, if he's leaving and they're like in the middle of this thing that was about to happen and like they were kind of at a like a sort of a story pause, but about to do the next thing. I was like, well, I could just set up that my characters leaves in the middle of the night, sort of, I mean, sort of tying it into the St. Patty's Day theme, the Irish exit. Uh, (laughs) Full circle, Irish being the elf. Yes, of course. And so he uh, spent all night essentially writing these letters to each of their characters. Uh, And... For me, it was actually like a really nice thing to do just personally um, because I had gotten to play with these people. And again, I think the biggest thing is like, remember, like, these are people. Like, you just leave a table. It's like you just like left four people who you've been playing with for hours. Um, who were counting so, on your fireballs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Not in a dirty way. Sorry. Yeah. Phrasing. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> we miss your balls, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty hot. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna have to cut all the jokes. No, <laughs> they're all staying in one hundred percent. And so he wrote all these letters. And so the first and last time ever, anyone ever actually got to see me was in person when I gave them each of these very personalized letters. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was kind of a twofer. Um, part of it was me addressing not only their character. But in some ways, in an interesting way for me, what I was trying to get at was the player who was actually playing the character as well. So each letter really, I tried to kind of bring in this double meaning. So I don't know, like, Anna, if you want to talk about your reaction, because after that, I never really talked to them. (laughs) Like, Like, I never really figured out. Yeah. Like, I want to tell my listeners how much that letter meant to me that I don't even want to read it on the podcast because it felt so personal to me. Like, I I actually started to tear up when I read the letter. And Andrew did it perfectly because he's absolutely right. Like, he was speaking to my character, but I felt like he was speaking to me a little bit, too, because he talked about, like, encouraging the way that I was playing, like he was encouraging how Isa was. And that was, I'm going to, I'm going to tear up right now. Like literally I'm going to cry right now thinking about this. This is so fucking cute. Okay. But like, I, and I think that, uh, that er, those like earlier interactions where Mm. your, your character is a jerk because he's closed (laughs) off because Mm. he's defensive, whatever, like the way that you wrote that letter was like, oh, Varus like believed in me the whole time. Like yeah. that's how I felt. And I was like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> and I was legitimately like so sad yeah. when the character left because I was like, this is the first time I saw his heart and like what he is truly like. And now he's gone. And I was so like, oh my God. I'm getting emotional right now thinking about this. Yeah, also I'm- though and I made all this happen. <laughs> You're, right. Because You're right. It couldn't have happened without the DM. But also, though, like, okay, you know, Associate Justice Jojo, our other Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He plays. Oh, my God. This is so good. <laughs> he plays a little bit of a. He's a barbarian. He's, half-orc yeah, barbarian. he's a barbarian. Yeah. Half-orc yeah. barbarian. Low, low intelligence score. Yes. So we had made a bunch of jokes about like, can he read? Does he know how to read? (laughs) Yeah. And so Andrew's character literally left his letter to me to read out loud to him. And we did that at the table. Yeah. 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 It was so freaking cute. I mean, yeah, like obviously like that is obviously listeners. Here's the here's what you need to do. Have a psychologist play. (laughs) And then if they leave. They, they will put exactly all of this meaning behind all the words they say and analyze you in the process. <laughs> um, no, but like, obviously, that is a pro way yeah. to exit a campaign. I mean, um, and like, and Andrew, of course, like, I didn't expect anything less because you're you and you care so much about this game mm-hmm. and how to like, you know, when the role playing is, is at its highest, that's when the game is the best, regardless yeah. of its combat or whatever. Great. Um and uh yeah i was so touched because i got to read all those letters before you gave them out Mm -hmm. um and i was just so touched by them all that you had put that much thought and energy into this um and that helped even further inspire me as a dm to like you know now i gotta up my game too i gotta make sure i'm at that (laughs) level too and and I have character like, you know, Heather's character in Gaidra one, um, you know, her mom is is an NPC in the game and she casts message to talk to her. Mm-hmm. So when I'm communicating with her as her mom, um, yeah. like, 
yeah, that there's like a special level of care that you have to give to that. So to be able to to think that far ahead and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to leave this campaign. Um, it's going to be really hard because, you know, I enjoy these people in this game. Um, mm-hmm. What can I do to make that special? I mean, that's just, that's just so wonderful. Yeah, that was the most special. Yeah. I still yeah, have the letter, yeah. by the way, obviously. <laughs> Good. No, I, I feel it, like my character just like reads it once in a while. <laughs> just like, it's like randomly, I need some encouragement. I'm going to read this letter from Varys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I love, that's the first time I've sort of heard any feedback from it. Like, and so it's super fascinating. Really, it, it, I just feel really great about that I was able to contribute in that way. Um, for me, yeah, a lot of it really was, I, I think this came out of just paying attention and loving the game, um, really enjoying the people that you play with. I think that's always mm-hmm. the biggest thing, right? Because we are playing a game, but we are people. Like every character that anyone plays is some sort of part of them not directly or indirectly but or some projection of who we want to be or who we could be or something oh, else oh, right? on a yeah. hundred million percent yes yeah. i and we've i've talked about on this podcast how all of my characters are little like slices of, of me yeah. right um yeah. I, and uh it's that's why i i think the the most successful characters are those ones that really do have that personal connection to you as the player so of course when like your friend is leaving the group it's not just the, mm. the character it's your friend that it's like oh right it's yeah. this it's so sort of like it has so much emotion behind it yeah, yeah. it was yeah it was, a, it was a fun way to depart and i'm glad it sort of helped continue yeah it was well, a wonderful and, way so. and maybe Thanks we haven't that. seen the last of varus yet so, see who maybe. knows <laughs> <laughs> well andrew this has thank truly you so been, much yes yeah you're wonderful no, and lovely it's, it's been awesome being on this it's been great to, like it feels very much like an honor to be on this now especially after listening to so many episodes oh, Andrew, um so I know, you're yeah, gonna make me cry really again cool. oh god well maybe when we get to the level where we're like super pro maybe we'll have to like and and we're like doing like live uh like uh live one shots and stuff we'll have you on as a player or something because because <laughs> you're awesome yeah. um mm-hmm. but Ladies and gentlemen, Justice Andrew is not done. No, 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 no. If you think Mm -mm. that he's done, we're not letting him go that easily. He's not going to be on one episode. of. He's going to be on this episode of Raw Noter and not one, but two episodes of Raw School. Uh, One coming out later this week and one next week. So listen to those to hear more of our lovely interactions and talking about his fiery balls. (laughs) (laughs) And as always... Please feel free to email us, rawandorderdnd at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rawandorderdnd. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. It was awesome. Had a lot of fun. All right. Catch you later, everyone. Bye. Bye. And it's only Thursday. Yeah. It is Thursday. That's right. Wow, we got so funny once we started. I know. I know. We're like, oh, we need to be recording this because we're making so many jokes. And now yeah. we're like, cool, it's a day of the week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Joke. It's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>